Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Hello, I'm so glad you're joining me today. I have Dr. Todd Kooning uh, with me again, and today's episode is going to be all about animal emergencies and how to be ready for when those um, little emergencies arise. He's also going to be talking a little bit about the differences between acute and chronic illness and how he ch- how he goes about treating some of the animals in his clinic um, regarding those two differences. Um, you also will see that this will be a two-part series. We are we have a lot of ground to cover, so um, but we will get a good start on it today. So thank you, Dr. Todd, for joining me. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here, too. Absolutely. So um, if you could maybe talk a little bit about um, just like acute versus chronic illness to kind of give people an understanding of when to use first aid kits versus kind of what a, you know, chronic disease might, might be. Yeah. Well, um, in, in uh, vet school, we learned a different definition of acute and chronic disease than what we talk about in homeopathy. So in homeopathy, there's only two kinds of diseases. There's acute and there's chronic and um, acute, acute diseases are things that really, come from outside the body, things like um, injuries uh, from trauma, burns, stings, you know, broken bones, Um, but also could be bacterial or viral infections or or toxins. So things that happen quick, but they come from the outside where and and acute diseases usually are over in a short time. So a good example is parvo and puppies, Mm, you know, comes on fast. They either recover or they don't. And it doesn't take very long to find out which it's going to be. Sure. Chronic diseases start uh, more subtle and uh, start, you know, less intense usually. And they're there. They're there from the moment of birth, really. But it takes a while for them to manifest and show up. But it starts within the body. And it's just a slow progression. And the body, the body can't really fix it. The body has trouble fixing chronic disease. It tries. That's that's where we end up with all these symptoms of chronic disease, and uh, sometimes chronic disease will will flare up and look like an acute problem, you know, with mm-hmm. fevers and things that seem acute, but it's really just a flare up of the chronic condition. Um, and the, I think the key thing to remember is that the majority of all health problems are chronic disease. Right. You know, acute problems take up a smaller percentage, but most of the things we're dealing with all the time with animals and with ourselves are chronic problems so right yeah it's a simpler definition than what we're used to with conventional medicine but I think it's I think it's a good thing to understand yeah well and I think too one of the things I think about is when I first started um, getting into homeopathy I noticed that and I was working with Dr. Will Falconer at the time um, I was from coming from the place of you know, what is my dog's diagnosis? And he would go, 
I want to talk about his symptoms. And, yeah. and it was such a shift for me. And I didn't quite understand that whole um, mindset. But I, was, I would yeah. love for you to maybe explain a little bit more from a homeopath. How oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's a and that's a good thing to to uh, focus on, and and it's a hard thing to grasp too if you're new to homeopathy, like I was when I started, because I was had uh, drilled into me this idea of diagnosing something, naming it, you know, naming a disease. Right. And homeopathy doesn't really care about that. It, it cares about who has the disease, not what disease they have. Um. So. Um, you can say two dogs have arthritis, but they probably, they might need different remedies, you know, depending on all the factors involved. Or um, a good example is, is like Cushing's disease in dogs, something that has a diagnostic label and someone will contact me and say, can you use homeopathy for Cushing's disease? And I go, well, yeah, we can treat your dog that has symptoms of Cushing's disease. Right. Um, so, yeah, the diagnostic label, in a way, it, it um, relieves a lot of pressure on the person doing the homeopathy because you don't, it's not important really to find that diagnosis. You just have to really know the symptoms, you know, mm-hmm. if you really can understand the symptoms. And that's what's tricky in treating animals is because we can't really go into a lot of detail with some of the symptoms like they can with people. Right. Since they can't where people, talk. Yeah. People can understand and describe their feelings and their emotions and things which animals can't do. So makes it a little trickier, but still we can, we can find enough information usually to point us in the right direction. Absolutely. And such a, such a mindset shift, I think, because we, we want to put that label on it and really, it is about yeah. what is the dog telling us, you know, what is right. it showing us? And, and you, and, you yeah, use- and I'll, yeah, I could be talking to someone and we just say, okay, we're going to try this remedy. And they'll say, well, what about something for the pain or what about something for the irritable bowel? And, right. And, you know, I'll have to say, well, this remedy covers that, you know, this remedy covers all that because it covers the whole animal, the whole picture. Exactly. And, and so if it helps, it's going to help on every level with with all the symptoms yes and that's a hard thing to uh wrap your head around to at first most definitely yeah yeah so how do you determine if it is an acute disease or a chronic disease flare-up well um first of all just looking at the you know at the cause if you can see the cause of something that can tell you, like if the dog got hit by a car, that's an acute disease. Mm-hmm. If the dog is suddenly limping, like favoring one of their legs, that could be a flare-up of chronic disease. You know, it's hard to say. But um, but the, the good news is it's it not always super important because you treat an acute flare-up of chronic disease in a similar way as treating an acute disease. You know, you find the symptom that matches the picture. Yeah. the best and you use that you and you use that remedy you know the remedy that has those symptoms um and if uh if you can see what the chronic remedy is that fits that it's it's usually good to try that in the beginning or early on but sometimes we have to use um acute remedies remedies you know more suited for acute treatments to get things settled down enough so we can see the picture clearly. We can see the chronic picture because it might look a little confused when yeah. things are really, things are really flared up. So, 
Exactly. This is true, especially with like skin allergies and dogs, you know, when they're just a hot mess and you, you may not be able to really tell what kind of chronic picture they have there, but you can definitely see the acute picture. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So that's misery. a pretty good example that most people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you know, like, for example, if we take an acute situation, how do you know, you know, bingo, this is the right remedy? And how do you kind of help people with choosing that? Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, just um, the response. Usually if you have the right remedy and it's an acute situation, whether it's a flare-up or it's a truly acute problem, usually you'll see a response pretty quick if you have the right remedy. So if I'm treating something acutely and we're, we try a remedy and there's no response and say I repeat it 15 minutes, there's no response, repeat it again in 15 minutes, no response, I start thinking, well, this isn't the right remedy, you know, because usually the response is pretty fast, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, within minutes a lot of times and maybe a half hour at the most. So yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little impatient when it comes to treating acute problems Yeah, and I won't, I won't stay with the same remedy very long if I'm not seeing much change. Yeah. Um, and I know you had treated a dog that came to your um, practice with um, like heat stroke. And, yeah. Yeah. And I would love for you to maybe talk a little bit more about that and how you, how that turned around. Yeah, that was, that was a really uh, fun exciting case Uh, of course at the time it was stressful which they all are at the time but um, it was about this time of year it was it was hot and humid and up here in the midwest it gets really muggy and uh, these people came into the clinic one day with a uh, like a black lab that was having heat stroke symptoms they had been out playing in the park or out in the yard um, throwing the ball things like that and the dog just started to act weird and then went down and couldn't really walk. And so they, they drove in real quick. And this dog um, had a temperature that didn't register. You know, our thermometer went up to 106 and it was spiked at 106. And she was standing rigid like a sawhorse on the table and just trembling and had a glazed expression in her eyes. And um, she was about to go into seizure. She was that bad. And I had just, um, like the week before I had the first session of the homeopathy class and we had talked about acute treatments and I remember there were some remedies for heat stroke. So I, I went across the hall, got my kit, which had some remedies in it. And I, I just remembered aconite and belladonna, those two. And so pupils weren't dilated and that's a belladonna symptom. So I thought, well, I'll try aconite, you know, and I gave her a dose. My technician rolled his eyes at me like, oh, you're really losing your mind. <laughs> and because uh, this is the first time we'd ever treated anything with homeopathy in the practice. Wow. And they are they already thought I was crazy for taking the course. So they were they were all kind of watching and we gave her the remedy and then we kept doing what we were doing, which was getting IVs ready and drugs and drawing up, you know, steroids and things like that, getting ice water bath ready, everything that we usually do. And within about a minute. Uh, the tech said, hey, look, I think she's improving. And we all looked at her and she was improving. You could tell her whole expression had relaxed. Her breathing had slowed down. And I said, check her temperature. And so we did. And it was down to 103 already, just in about a minute. Wow. And in about five more minutes from there, she just kept improving and getting better. And she was normal within about five or 10 minutes. She was totally normal. We just set her down off the table and 
took her back up front. The people were still up there. They hadn't left yet. And uh, they saw the dog. They couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, so that was truly my uh, aha moment. You know, when someone's learning homeopathy and they first see it work, that's, that's your aha moment. Absolutely. And I've had several moments like that since then, but that one really is fixed in my head because it was the first time I, I uh, saw it work that way. And when you see that, it really does, it, it helps you understand the power of homeopathy. And I think. Yeah, it, it gave me the creeps, actually. It really made me feel weird, like had goosebumps. My hair stood up in the back of my neck. And yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought, you know, why have I never heard about this before? Sure. Because I was even after the first session, I was entertaining thoughts of maybe not finishing the course because I, I thought it just seemed too crazy you know <laughs> right. what they were saying in those first four days just seemed a little far-fetched and I wanted to believe it but I uh, I didn't have any experience and so once I did that I thought okay there's something really to this and I'm I'm going to dig in and try to learn yeah so yeah it, it really encouraged me to keep my head in the in the studies and follow it through and I'm glad I did no kidding I am too <clears throat> Yeah. So, um, now, okay. So I, I want to talk a little bit before we kind of go into some of the remedies. Um, like for example, here's, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about lymphoma, for example. So mm -hmm. yeah. there are a lot of conventional options out there, you know, yeah. for people and there's, you know, oh, steroids yeah. and chemo and, you know, things like that. But then you've also treated them homeopathically and that's, that's going to be a chronic, obviously. Yeah. That's a good example of chronic, right? Yeah, so I don't know if you want to maybe share, you had a story about a Cocker Spaniel that you had worked with. Yeah, I had a really nice Cocker named Henry that um, actually someone from Texas called me in to see if we could try to help. And um, he was, yeah, he was diagnosed with lymphoma and he was about eight or nine years old, I think. And so we just started you know, working with some remedies and trying some things. I think we adjusted the diet a little bit and did some things to try to detox him. But usually a good remedy, a lot of people are concerned about detox, but usually good remedies will detox the body. You know, the, mm -hmm. the body will detox itself pretty well with the help of the remedies. So he started uh, improving. His lymph nodes started to go down. And then... Um, he might have other symptoms flare up, which is that acute flare up of chronic disease. Mm -hmm. Like I remember one time he started having breathing problems and fever and they ran him into the emergency clinic and they said, well, it looks like he has pneumonia, you know? And so they wanted to do antibiotics, but we, she decided just to try remedies instead. So we treated him with some remedies. He got better and, mm. and did fine. So, um, so we just, you know, it wasn't like he had a few remedies and he was over it. He, it was sure. a process. But he eventually got to the point where he was very stable. His lymph nodes were a little bit enlarged, more than normal, but they weren't as big as they started out mm -hmm. when he first was diagnosed. So I would say his lymph nodes never really went back down to where they were totally normal. They were always a little bigger um, from what she was describing anyway mm -hmm. and pictures that I saw. But he had great energy, had a great attitude. Um, so... He lived about two and a half years, I think, before the lymph nodes finally really popped up big and and stayed that way. And she um, she decided not to try conventional treatment at that point. She she didn't want to. So 
she had him euthanized, but yeah, but he had he had a good two and a half years, and she was pretty excited about it. Yeah, and I know and you I, also mentioned on the flip side of that, um, <clears throat> treating dogs conventionally. Um, <clears throat> maybe if you could talk a little bit about your experience with that. With yeah, I did. Well, I did conventional treatments for over twenty years, so I'm I'm pretty familiar with that side of it. And we always told people, you know, we'll be lucky if we can make it six months from now. Mm. You know, even with steroids and Everything we can do for this dog, we might be lucky to have six months. And and a lot of times it wasn't even six good quality months. It was yeah. six months of being on high doses of steroids. And so, you know, it wasn't that great. Um, so I, yeah. So now when I see things like that, I, I keep that in mind and mm-hmm. compared to, um, results we've had with homeopathy and it's it's almost a no-brainer really yeah and yeah and one of those things because if we can't cure it at least we can palliate it which Mm -hmm. means we make it better we make them feel better we can buy them some time and that's really all you can do with the drugs anyway in that kind of situation yeah and yeah and homeopathy the the homeopaths like to say that homeopathy is always a better palliative than drugs are (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i i agree yeah because if you're buying time you might as well use homeopathy because you don't have all the side effects plus it does help the body on a deeper level to cope with whatever the situation is so yeah well um i you know i just i think that's so amazing because again you know you think about here you are as a as a veterinarian who was trained conventionally and practiced conventional medicine for 20 years and you didn't realize that homeopathy, you know, may have existed or even understand it. I mean, it's still, we don't understand it to, on some level, but, but you, you know, you decided to go that course and what a difference, like you saw that you had that aha mo- moment and now yeah. you not only have in the acute situation, but then also in treating lymphoma, you know, that's typically, you know, mm-hmm. not a very good prognosis. And like you said, the dog isn't typically thriving in that six month period um, where they could. Yeah. Know. They're, they're kind of existing really. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. So um, one of the things that, you know, I would like to help people um, with is maybe some, you know, having some of the, your top remedies, um, what that looks like and why they would want to have some of those remedies on hand. And as I mentioned, this is going to be a two-part series because there are quite a few um, that we want to go through, but maybe we can just get a good start on, you know, so helping people with what to, what to pick up, um, you know, and have on hand with, you know, if something arises. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and there are, um, a lot of good resources out there, even compared to, you know, 10 or 12 years ago when I took the course. Now there's a lot of places you can order emergency kits. Um, I think Dogs Naturally offers an emergency kit. Um, you may have an emergency kit there at your store, Tammy. Um, I know Will Falconer had put together a kit at one time. I don't know if he still offers it. Yeah, I don't know if he does either. I do have quite a few that you're going to be talking about. I haven't necessarily yeah. put together a kit. Yeah, but um, yeah, and some people will just get individual remedies, you know, uh-huh. and just start start building a kit. Exactly. Because really, you you can start with about a half a dozen remedies and then mm-hmm. work up from there. Right. Um, 
Yeah, if I just had to pick a few remedies to have on hand, it'd probably be about a half a dozen or so. Mm-hmm. Like if I were stranded on a desert island or something. <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't need many remedies if that was the case. That's true, right? <laughs> but, yeah, we could go through. Um, I know the article that we are looking at had about 20 remedies, so we mm-hmm. can look at some of those. Yeah. So where do you, where would you like to start? Well, we could start with aconite. That's always alphabetically. That's usually the first remedy listed. Okay. In most remedy lists, and that is the remedy I use for the heat stroke dog. So, um, shade. It's um, it, a lot of these remedies have like keynote. They call them keynote symptoms, and they are like the main major symptoms of the remedy. So, when you are learning the remedies. You'll think of those symptoms first a lot of times, and it helps you link remedies to symptoms. So if a dog comes in and they have really bad anxiety, they're really like almost in shock, deer in the headlights kind of thing. That's aconite, you know, these dogs. And we'll give aconite to dogs sometimes that come into the clinic for surgery, and they're really freaked out. You know, mm-hmm. they, they like they've never been away from home. They've never been in this kind of situation before with all these other dogs and strangers. Um, trying to do things. So we'll give them a dose of aconite and just let them chill for a little bit. And it usually helps right away. So that would uh, be like maybe the trembling dog and the. Yeah. The dog that's really fearful. Sometimes panting, maybe trying to escape, trying to get away from you, you know, pulling hard on the leash. Um, So, but it can be good for other things too. And of course, you know, the high fever, Mm -hmm. it's one of the great fever remedies. Um. It was the first remedy, a guy named uh, Compton Burnett, uh, who discovered the whole idea of vaccinosis. He wrote mm-hmm. a book, 50 Reasons to Be a Homeopath, and it was the first reason out of 50 was aconite. Wow. <laughs> so he used it for kids with fevers and saw how great it worked, and he, he decided to become a homeopath. So that was uh, that's, that's a great book. Yeah. That's a great book, yeah. Um so aconite is a good one to know, and it's also a good remedy um, at the first sign. They say if you're coming down with something, if you feel like you're catching a cold or something, aconite's the best remedy to take in the early stage, um, mm. earliest stage of it. So I, I try to remember that, but usually I usually I've progressed into yeah. farther into the cold or whatever it is before I think of taking a remedy. But So aconite's great for that. Sometimes we use that. In dogs or cats, if they're just starting with something that's mainly respiratory, accompanied mm. by stress and things like that. Mm-hmm. So so it's a great one to know. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's also one of the great remedies for seizures, and uh, belladonna is another one, too. So you can think of those two remedies in pairs with fevers, seizures, mm-hmm. fear, anxiety, Um Belladonna is things that come on really fast. Anything that starts really quick. Yeah, belladonna is a good one to think of. I know I'm jumping from the A's to the B's, but. <laughs> no, but I remember um, you and I worked with um, one of my dogs who had vestibular. And I remember oh, yeah. belladonna being a, a main yeah. contributor to that. And oh my gosh, she really yeah. got in a better shape much it's, quicker. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great remedy for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, vertigo, dizziness, that kind of thing, which goes along with the inner ear vestibular yeah. trouble. Yeah. A lot of times 
And and it's an amazing remedy. I mean, belladonna is in itself. It's probably my favorite remedy for for high fevers. And we if we see an animal come in and they have a high fever and we don't see anything else wrong with them, we'll just give them belladonna and then recheck the temperature in about a half hour. And usually it's it's already dropping or it's down to normal. Wow. So, but that's one of the principles too of the acute treatments. If there is a high fever, usually you need to dose the remedy. Uh, more often, like every, you can go every 10 or 15 minutes for several doses. And if, if it hasn't affected the fever after three or four doses, it's probably the wrong remedy. So yeah, good time to shift gears and try a different one. And I think that's another big shift from conventional medicine to homeopathy is, yeah. you know, when you are prescribed a medication, you take it once or you take it twice a day and yeah. you know, whatever the, you take it every eight to 12 hours or something right. like that. Where yeah. it's like the frequency is also so important to getting yeah. that turnaround. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and I and I still am learning, you know, day by day as time goes on. And a lot of times, it's stuff that happens to me. Mm-hmm. Um, a month or so ago, I was having. I think I really I was having a second round of COVID symptoms, <laughs> but I I had COVID early in 2020 and uh, got through it okay. You know, I. Um, felt pretty crummy but I got through it mm-hmm. and then I was having similar symptoms and I I called my homeopath it got bad enough that my oxygen I have a little pulse ox thing mm-hmm. for my finger my oxygen was dri- dropping down into the low 80s and I felt like I was suffocating felt like oh I couldn't my goodness breathe. that's scary and so he had me uh, he stayed on the phone with me and was having me take remedies and check my oxygen at the same time. And, and when we got the right remedy, the oxygen shot up to 96. Wow. Like within 30 seconds of taking the dose. Yeah. So I said, this is crazy. And he goes, well, that's the right remedy. That's the one you got to stay with. He said, just when your oxygen goes below 90, take another dose. Wow. And I was taking, I was taking doses like every three minutes yeah. um, for about an hour. And finally it got up and it stayed up. And then I was done. So. Well, and the interesting thing about that, too, that I think the typical person wants to know is, oh, my gosh, what was that remedy? But, yeah. again, it's more about your personal symptom profile and the homeopath yep. determining. Yeah, yeah. Which Because, obviously, it sounds like you tried a few before you hit the right one. I did. And I had <laughs> talked to him the other time when I was sick. So I was trying some of the remedies that I used the previous time, and they just weren't helping. So that's when I called him because I didn't really know what else to try. and. Yeah. The remedy was carboveg. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And carbo-veg. that was that was your that was good for you. That was good for that situation. Yeah, and it's it's a neat remedy and it has the uh nickname of corpse reviver. Oh wow. And we use it we use it in the clinic like if an animal's slow waking up from surgery or they stop breathing, something we give them a dose of carboveg and usually it's real quick. Oh wow. Turns them around. It's How also great for bloating. So if you have a big dog that's prone to bloat and you're worried about, you know, gastric dilatation, volvulus, that kind of thing, which can be, you know, serious, life-threatening. Yeah. Um, and I, what I have told um, clients before is obviously, you know, you need to go to the ER, you know, if you have yeah. a dog who has a bloat, but on the way there, start dosing yeah, dose, carbo-veg. Dose the carbo-veg, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. definitely one to have on hand. Yeah, we've had them. Um, I actually haven't had to do any surgeries for bloat since I started using CarboVeg. Really? <laughs> and we used to have to take them into surgery sometimes and go in and, 
you know, deflate the stomach and try to correct the position and all that, which usually is a lost cause. If you get to that point, most dogs are going to yeah. pass away anyway That's true. if they're that bad. So you can catch it early and the body can self-correct in a lot of cases. Yeah. And I know some people complain about dogs having a lot of gas and that one yeah. is also good for. Yeah. It's good for gassy problems. Gas. Yeah. 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 It's a great remedy. And, um, not one that everybody thinks of sometimes. Yeah. Interesting remedy. It's just made from charcoal. <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Some of the some of the remedies, yeah, yeah, are made from strange things. I know. But um, another another good remedy to know just for emergencies is Apis, the honeybee remedy, mm-hmm. and it's great for allergic reactions, which you see a lot of this time of year when dogs go out and they get stung by a bee or they try to bite a bee or a wasp or something and get stung in the face or in the mouth yeah, and their, and their, their face head swells, swells up. up. Yeah. Um, Apis usually will take that down pretty fast. Um, I had another lymphoma case. It was a abdominal lymphoma. And the first remedy we gave the dog was Apis. She had a really bloated belly and um, that's one of the symptoms of Apis and uh, within a couple of days, her belly went down and she was acting much better. So, and that led us to her chronic remedy, which was Natrum muriaticum. And um, ape, uh, Natrum muriaticum is called the chronic apis. They're, oh, partner, wow. they're partner remedies. So if apis helps for acute symptoms, usually Natrum muriaticum will, will finish the case and cure it. And she was totally cured. And, um, her regular vet couldn't believe it. They, they said they must have misdiagnosed it. <laughs> of course, yeah. But it was diagnosed at Purdue at the vet school, so that's not too likely, you know. Exactly. The ivory tower. So. Yep. But they that's... they got angry and they wanted to know what I had treated the dog with. They wow. I had some kind of secret, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So that was fun. Yeah, because yep. again, think about you didn't have an awareness. And I mean, how can, and I know a lot of times when customers, you know, they come to me and they say, well, you know, I talked to my vet about this remedy that you, you know, were talking to me about. And they said, no, there's not enough science behind it, you know. And again, it's just a lack of knowledge. And it's not that they're, I don't think, trying to dog something. It's just, if you don't know anything about it. Well, and what they don't realize is there's over 200 years of science behind it. Exactly. There's more science than there is with drugs. Yes. By far. And um, homeopathy follows the scientific method way more than conventional medicine does. Yeah. Yeah. With all the provings that they did early on with the remedies. I mean, they were meticulous about proving these remedies and proving just means figuring out what symptoms the remedies can cause in uh, healthy individuals. So, but yeah, she was, uh, that was, that was an interesting case. It shocked both of us because the first time she brought the dog in, I, it was like a 12-year-old German shorthair pointer mm. named Rosie. And I, and I said, I honestly don't know if I can help you. You know, and I felt bad because she had driven like three hours oh, to come up. And I said, well, we can try. You know, it's not going to hurt to try. And, yeah, about a week later, I got the word from her that the dog was doing better. <laughs> That's amazing. We were both pleasantly surprised. And she lived another three years. I mean, she... She went back to pheasant hunting and everything. Like oh these my dogs were, goodness. These were field dogs that she worked a lot. And this dog went back and did more field trials and 
So it was pretty fun. What a great story. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, you said it was Apis and she had lymphoma of the stomach. Um, they think she had bowel, like, oh. an, like abdominal lymphoma, gotcha. the bowel, maybe, maybe the kidneys because she had some kidney trouble on blood work. Wow. But That's they amazing. didn't really, um, they, they didn't biopsy anything. They based it on ultrasound and some cytology that they did like mm-hmm. needle aspirates. So, yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So that, that was probably my aha moment for chronic cases. Yeah. That was my first chronic case that really had a nice response. No kidding. Well, if you want, maybe we could go ahead and finish up uh, with Arnica and arsenicum. Um, yeah. And then we can, uh, save the rest yeah. for part two. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, yep. Arnica, Arnica and arsenicum are um, right next to each other alphabetically, but uh, Arnica is probably the, the, the most common remedy used worldwide. So most people that have any exposure to homeopathy, a lot of times it's through Arnica using Arnica. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first remedy to think of with any kind of injury or trauma, pretty much. Uh, bruising, painful, uh, also great for bleeding. It's a good remedy for bleeding, um, especially for uh, with animals. True with people too, but the the patient that doesn't want to be touched or even approached. And the way they describe it to me is: uh, think of a car accident scene, mm-hmm. and the person that was in the accident is out of the car, wandering around, kind of dazed. And someone comes up to him and says, you know, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I don't need help. And the head's bleeding and mm-hmm. maybe the arm's broken. And, you know, yeah, and you go to help and, oh, no, don't touch me. So that's kind of the picture of Arnica. And we see that in trauma a lot of times with animals. And they come mm-hmm. in and sometimes we can't really get near them, but we can squirt some Arnica in their mouth or somewhere close to their mouth. <laughs> yeah. And, and just let them settle down for a little bit. And usually that works wonders. And... So it's our main uh, post-op medicine at the clinic. It's the only thing we use for pain after surgery. We have Arnica um, high potency sitting right there in the surgery room. And as soon as we turn off the gas, we, we give the Arnica. Yeah. And, and then we repeat it as needed, but most animals do fine with one dose. Wow. Of a higher potency. Once in a while, we'll send some home for, for follow-up dosing, but most of them don't need it. So. Well, and I have a... a- situation too that just happened recently one of my dogs got in a squabble with another dog and second I it happened I started dosing arnica and the person that had the other dog couldn't believe his face didn't even swell up and I mean he got he had some puncture wounds you know and yeah and and I was amazing yeah going back between arnica and leadum and I know we'll get to leadum at some point Mm -hmm. but um you know that it was just amazing and how quickly he healed. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, my, one of my previous homeopaths was in Chicago and she started a company called, um, Ciarna and they make Arnica face masks for people to wear after they've had plastic surgery, like mm-hmm. facelifts, facial reconstruction. And they yeah. put this gel mask on it's got Arnica in it and they almost have no bruising now. And the, when oh, the wow. surgeons first saw it, who were they couldn't believe it because they let her try it on a patient and they let her try it on one half of the face. Oh wow. So they could see how it compared to their usual treatment. So the person 
like the next day or a few days later had one line down their face. One side was purple. One side was normal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's <laughs> the Arnica a- side was normal. Yeah. It looked like someone had painted half their face purple. <laughs> and so wow. they were convinced right away. In fact, one of the surgeons tried to get the patent mm-hmm. um, before she did, but she beat him to it. So yeah. But that's that's arnica and yeah. another you know another example of how it can work topically even so Absolutely. you know they make arnica spray arnica gel it comes in all kinds of forms mm-hmm. um, we even found an arnica roll on at the at Walgreens yeah <laughs> it's like a roll on deodorant you can roll it on your sore muscles yeah well and even like the person that runs into the coffee table you know and oh yeah you it's know. A great, there well, it's a great go. remedy. I, I always tell everybody you, you always want to have arnica on hand, you know, mm-hmm. and hopefully you won't need it too much. But if you have animals, you're probably going to need it of occasionally. Course. Yeah. And if you're like me, you're going to need it occasionally, too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Running into things. But yeah, but it's it's a wonderful remedy. Probably one of my favorites. Yeah, that's definitely. And and so is arsenicum, which mm-hmm. is... Um, you know, made from white arsenic. Um, I mainly think of it for GI problems, you know, vomiting, diarrhea. It's one of the best remedies for parvo. Um, puppies that have parvo, a lot of times that's the first remedy we'll try. If they're only vomiting, we might try Nux Vomica first. But if they're having classic parvo with vomiting and the stinky, foul, bloody diarrhea that smells like death, right? that's, that's definitely an arsenicum symptom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also a good one for food poisoning. So if people, if, if you feel like you've had food poisoning, that's a great remedy to know. But dogs definitely get food poisoned sometimes just getting into trash or eating who knows what outside. Well, you know, the other thing I think of, too, is, you know, uh, a dog that eats something that doesn't agree with him, maybe the food wasn't, you know, spoiled, but it could look like food poisoning. So yeah, even exactly. though, you know, yeah, like a food allergy type thing. Yeah. So yeah. you still, I would, you know, I would think that would be an, an example too of treating yeah. it because the dog is having a similar reaction. It oh, just yeah. may not be spoiled food. It just may be exactly. having trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And other, other key things they talk about with arsenicum is, is restlessness. That's a real key thing. And so animals, you'll see them like if they're in a cage, they just can't get comfortable. They're moving around a lot or at home, mm-hmm. they're moving from place to place. Like they can't quite get comfortable and they also might go over to the water dish frequently and take just a small sip and then go try to lay down again and those are two key things for arsenicum right there mm-hmm. just those two alone would make me think oh let's try arsenicum yeah 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 so arsenicum has been a lifesaver for um me and a lot of my clients dogs or yeah it's a life. it's a great yeah. remedy yeah it's one of those that i wouldn't want to be without yep so we're Wonderful. Good. Well, that is um, that is a very good um, first go around at kind of the picture of homeopathy, and then you know some of your examples that you've you've treated, and then mm-hmm. um, you know we've covered one, two, three, four, five, six different remedies. So there you go. So we've got a half a dozen to start yeah. with, and then we will um, we will come back again next month and. Um, and conclude our part two. Sounds good. All right. Thank you as always, Dr. Cooney. You are always such a, 
Um, it's always so great to talk to you and, and glean information from you and, and all of your experiences. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so that I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.